Likutei Sichos, Chelik Tezvav, Volume 15, the fifth Sicha for Parshas Vayeshev. This is a Rashi Sicha. In this Sicha, we'll see how everything in Rashi is extremely exact, and every specific nuance in Rashi, every particular detail, is prudent to the ultimate meaning of the verse. It's a very logical and easy to understand Sicha. And in the end of the Sicha, there's an amazing explanation, according to Chassidus, which relates, which ties into the topic of this Rashi and the nuances in the explanation of Rashi. We're only going to re- learn part of it. Obviously, it uh, would make most sense for anyone to learn the Sicha inside in its entirety. So in verse, thir- in verse 18, chapter 38, verse 18, in the story of Yehuda and Tamar, when Yehuda promises to Tamar that he is going to send her a young goat, and she be, she insists that he has to give her some kind of collateral, some kind of guarantee, some kind of pledge. So he says to her, What should I give you? So she says to him, Your seal, which literally means in your court, and your staff that's in your hand. So Rashi in the heading of Chesamcha Upsilecha, and these two words of, uh, quote, your seal and your cord, he says as follows. First, he brings the Targum Unculus. He brings the translation of these words from the primary commentary of the Torah, which is the Unculus, the Targum, the Aramaic, which is Iskisach Vishoshifach. Shoshifach. Your Iska and your sheshipim. What is this? So Rashi says, it means your ring that you seal with, that you sign with, that means your signatory ring. And number two, the garment with which you uh, uh, wrap yourself around, with which you uh, clothe yourself with. Now the questions are, why does Rashi have to, so to speak, take this out of the normal context of what means of what your seal means. A seal is a seal. Why does he have to explain that it really means a ring with the seal? What's going on over here? That's number one. Number two, why does he have to explain that psilcha, which I said means literally your cord, why does he have to explain that, this, or your thread, why does he have to explain that this means a garment? In the entire Tanakh, whenever it says psil, it means a thread or a rope. For example, we say it every day in the Shema, Hakon of Psil Techelis. We're talking about the threads of the, of the tzitzis which go on the corner of the garment. And it says Psil. So why does Rashi have to explain, take it, so to speak, and change it from what it normally means? Number three, besides, never do we find that Rashi should explain what Psil means. In other words, nowhere else in the Torah is Psil problematic. Why is it problematic over here that Rashi needs to address it? And number four, even if there was some kind of a reason Okay, perhaps. Why Rashi cannot just let it go and let us assume that this means a string or a rope, but why couldn't he explain, like some other Mepharshim explains, some other commentaries suggest, that this was a belt. This wasn't an ordinary string or rope, but this was something significant. It was a belt that she was asking as a collateral, something important. Why couldn't he... Why couldn't he um, suffice with that? Why does he have to resort to it being a garment? And number five, why does Rashi emphasize when it comes to the 
seal, when it comes to the ring with the seal, that it's the one that you sign with, and when it comes to the garment, it's the one that you wrap yourself around with, you clothe yourself with. Another general question, just that could be asked, if the Torah's purpose is to tell us that she asked for a ring with the seal and a garment, why didn't the Torah just say it outright? Why say it in such a euphemistic way, in euphemistic manner of saying, Chesamcha, seal, but you really mean a, a, a ring. Say psil, which t- typically means a cord or a thread, and it really means a garment. Why go in such a manner roundabout? The answer is, the imperative over here, that forced Rashi, so to speak, to explain it, when it, say, when it says, your seal, because it cannot mean an ordinary seal. This imperative comes about from the actual context of the story. If you follow the narrative, what was Yehuda doing? What was he doing there in the first place? Yehuda came to shear his sheep. Now, if this is an ordinary seal, a stamp which one uses in the course of doing business, the place for it would be more in an office or in a notary, a place where you notarize things, not on the road when one is going to share sheep, what business would he have in signing documents that he needs to have the seal with him? Okay? And that's so number one, why would he have it with him? And number two, how would Tomer even know that he happens to have his seal in him, that he decided to take his office with him? Where would she know that from? And therefore, Rashi was compelled to explain that this is a ring with a seal attached to it, with his signature seal attached to it. And therefore, it's understood why he took it with him. Because he wore it all the time. It was his ring that he wore all the time. Number one. And number two, how did Tamar know that he has it? Because she saw it. He's wearing it on his hand. He's wearing it on his finger. Now, we could also appreciate why she requested this and why this was so significant. And now we'll get the idea, the, the manner of what she was asking. In other words, what was, she, what was this all about? These are things that what she asked for was something that was, number one, important to him, and number two, that had a personal connection to him. That means it was unique and important. And now we can understand why the Torah calls it simply a seal and not a ring. Because if it was just, the, the, the fact that it's a ring doesn't make it significant. It doesn't make it unique. People wore rings. Rings are very common. Rings look more or less all the same. They don't have a unique quality to it. However, when it has the seal attached to it, now it becomes unique. Now it has an important, why? Importance, why? Because this is the seal that he signs with it. And now we understand why Rashi adds those words. In other words, this is not just a ring, and it's not just a ring that happens to have a seal. It's your unique, exclusive ring. That what, that's what she wanted. She wanted something that was personal, something that was connected to, attached to Yehuda himself, something that was unique and important to him. She got it. This is the ring. And now we can also understand why when it comes to the word psilecha or psilcha, psil, which commonly means a thread, Rashi couldn't just allow us to understand that it means a string and not even a belt because these things are not unique and personal. There's nothing special about them. A belt is a belt. But when it is simlascha, when it is your garment, now, what does it mean, your garment? The garment that you wear. What does that mean? So we do find in the Torah that important people, people of highest stature, had a unique garment. Maybe it was like a kind of a garment or a cloak or, or, or a cape or something that they wore in addition to their clothing. 
oh, this is something unique. This is something personally connected to you, Yehuda. This brings out your importance. This is something that I want. And now we can understand also another thing which Rashi doesn't address. But if you look in the verse, it says, she didn't just ask for his staff. She asks for the staff, Asher biyotcha, that's in your hand. Again, she's emphasizing this is not just any ordinary staff. This is your exclusive staff. This is something that is unique. It's unique in your hands. She's emphasizing that this has an importance to, to, um, to Yehuda. And now, by the way, this can also help answer a question which the Ramban asks on Rashi. On the, on the point that Rashi explains that psilcha means your garment, she requested his garment, which he obviously gave her, he took it off and gave it to her, the Ramban says that this is absurd. How can you explain this in such a manner? What, he walked away from there naked, without his clothing, only with his undergarments? So that, the Rebbe says, now we can understand. As we explained it now, it makes sense. He didn't take off any of his garments. It was just the outer coat or an overcoat or some kind of cloak that he wore over his garment garment as a sign of importance. You know, a high aristocratic people would wear it. That he took off. He wasn't naked at all. He was still fully clothed. So there's no problem. Now, going back to one of the questions we asked, how is it that we can explain seal to me, which typically means a thread or a cord? How can we t- explain it here to mean a garment? When t- when the, the the meaning of the word Typically, like we brought an example from Tzitzis, which we say every day in the Shema, a few times a day, it means a cord, it means a, a string. So the answer is, Rashi had already explained to us, just a few parshias ago, when it came to naming one of the sons of Yaakov, Naphtali, and the etymology of this word is psil. And Rashi over there tells us it's like a psila, it's interwoven, it's something that's connected, it's something that's intertwined, and therefore we can understand. Since this is the garment, quote, that you cover yourself with, you wrap yourself around with, already it's appropriate and it's possible to call it psil or psila, because this is the garment, not psila in the sense of a thread, but in the action, in the manner in which the garment is worn, that it gets wrapped around, it gets connected to the person. So this explains all the questions that we had in Rashi. Now the Rebbe goes over to Yeno Shel Torah. Yeno Shel Torah literally means the wine of the Torah, which means the deeper inner inner meaning that we find in Rashi, that when you look for it, you find the deeper esoteric, mystical application of Rashi's explanations. So this idea, this concept of, quote, the the ring, the seal, which you, the ring which you seal with, these two extremes, what are the two extremes? That on the one hand, she wanted an item that had the seal on it, specifically because of the seal, that uniqueness. But on the other hand, and this expressed his, 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 his ownership, this expressed the unique, unique connection to, to Yehuda, the importance to Yehuda. But on the other hand, it was a ring at the end of the day. This seal was not just a seal exclusively, but it was attached to a ring. This is consistent with the concept, a concept that's brought on Exodus that's called Tabas Sheyesh Bechoisim, quote, a ring that has a seal on it. This, is, this brings out, this is a concept, this is an idea. What does this mean? What does this have to do with anything? On the verse, which we recite every Friday night, that Hashem completed on the seventh day 
all the work that he did. In other words, even though he didn't work on Shabbos, but it's considered that he completed all his work on Shabbos because he had Shabbos. How did that complete the work when he ended, quote-unquote, working on the end of the sixth day before Shabbos? On Shabbos, he rested. So the Medrash tells us that the Chachamim say, they give a parable, they give a mushal for a king that they made him a special ring. But what was this ring missing? There was something deficient. What was it missing? It was missing the seal. Says the Medrash, so too the world was missing Shabbos. In other words, what does this tell us, this Medrash? That the world without Shabbos is like the ring without the seal. What does this mean? What is a ring? The Hebrew word for ring is tabas. It has the same etymology of the word teva. Teva means nature. What is the idea of nature? What is nature? The world, as it conducts itself through the means of nature, it creates a certain uh, a certain um, concealment. It creates a certain possibility, so to speak, for the world to seem, to look like, to appear as if it has no owner, as if it has no one controlling it, as if Shalom has no connection to Hashem. It seems to be running on its own. Shabbos is the quote, the seal. Shabbos is the testimony that actually tells us and it indicates, no, everything, the entire creation comes from Hashem. As it says in the Sefer HaChinuch, which is a Sefer which explains all the mitzvahs in the Torah and brings it down in a very practical, understandable manner to really understand the idea behind every mitzvah. He says over there that Shabbos is something that sets in our hearts the belief, the faith, and it, it confirms in our hearts the chidush ha'olam, the fact that the world becomes renewed all the time, meaning that it was created by Hashem, and it's constantly renewed by Hashem, as consistent with what the Alter Rebbe says in Sha'ichet Be'amunah, that the world is constantly being recreated. So now we understand the application of ring and or versus the seal, ring alone versus a ring with the seal, as it applies to creation of the world. Where do we actually see it in the names of Hashem? And the names of Hashem, the two main names, Elohim and Yudke Vavke or Havaya. In the name Elohim, Aleph, Lamed, Vav, He, Yud, when you do the Gematria, it equals the same numerical value of the, as the word Teva, which means nature. So Elohim represents godliness as it's concealed, as Hashem, so to speak, works behind the scenes, even though, of course, creation happened from Havaya, from Yudke Vavke, but Hashem made it appear so that it seems that the world that there's no God, that it seems like the world is almost being naturally reproduced, naturally uh, occurring on its own. Then you have Yudke Vavke, the Havaya, which means what? Hoya, Hoive, Viyya, Keechad, which means Hoya was past, present, and future all in one simultaneously, which means something which is supernatural, beyond any limitations of nature. So Havaya, Yudke Vavke, this is the source, this is the the name which represents a miraculous uh, conduct in the world, so to speak. And this expresses the true, quote, the MS of Hashem, the real truth, as we say, the MS Havaya Le'olam, the MS of Yudke Vavke to the world. What does this mean? That when you see sometimes these miracles, when we experience the Yudke Vavke, this shines a light of truth, and therefore seals the fact for everyone and for everything that the entire creation, everything that happens in the world is indeed 
from Hashem that he is beyond the world, he's a he's above the world, and that he erfir the world, that he actually runs the world. And this is consistent with and very similar to the story of Yehuda and Tamar, that specifically the seal was able to serve as proof that this was something connected to Yehuda. Had she just taken any ring, it wouldn't be an indicator or it wouldn't be an overt proof that this is Yehuda's because a ring is a ring. But only when he had his personal seal did it now become clear and, and evident that this is his, this is directly connected to him. And this is the difference between the six days of creation and Shabbos, this going back to the Medrash. In the six days of creation, as the Torah itself indicates, the world was created through the Shem Elohim, through the name of Hashem, which is represented in Elohim, which is already concealment, which is connected to nature. True, in its source, everything comes from Yudke Vavke. The entire creation is from Havaya. But Hashem made it so that it should come through the means of Elohim, which means it came in a concealed manner. But on Shabbos, when Hashem added the name Havaya, Yudke Vavke, exclusively in its own in a revealed manner, then this became an indicator of the truth of the entire creation that everything came from Hashem. Now, like we mentioned above, that at the end, even though the uniqueness over here is the actual seal, but at the end, the seal and the ring became one, and they are one, and that's, by the way, how she knew that he has it, and that's why he had it on him all the time. Likewise, Shabbos and the six days of the week are not two separate things. It's rather that Shabbos, as we call it, the seventh day of the week, Shabbos is connected to the week. Shabbos is part of the week. Shabbos enhances the entire week. Shabbos is not separate, but it completes, it fills, it, it, it complements, and it enhances the entire week. And a, 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 con this concept can be applied practically in Avoidah, we know that there's two modes of Avoidas Hashem. You have an Avoidah which is Alpitam Vedas, you know, according to rationale, a rational way of serving Hashem, meaning you do things, and when I, we say rational, we don't just mean human rationale, we even mean Torah rationale. There's a time for everything, there's times when you must do something, there's times when you're exempt from doing other things, there's some certain... Um, uh, mitigating circumstances that actually call for somebody not doing a mitzvah or being absolved from doing a mitzvah. But then there is the conduct. There's a manner which a Jew conducts himself in and that's Mesiris Nefesh, above and beyond. That's Lemailam Bitam Vadas, beyond any whatsoever rationale. Now it would seem that they're two separate things. But really, ultimately, just like the six days of the week in Shabbos are not two separate things, it's just that Shabbos, it stands alone and it just points back to the six days of the week and indicates that, okay, that's also from Hashem. But rather, as we said, they become one whole thing, it's one complete package and it enha Shabbos enhances the entire week, it permeates it and enhances the entire week. Likewise, the ultimate way of serving Hashem, even when we're serving Hashem, Alpitam Vadas, according to rationale, and even according to the rationale of Halacha and the Torah, a person has to always be under the auspices of Mesidus Nefesh. It has to be infused Mesidus Nefesh, thus bringing the two together, the Chaysen, the seal, and the Tabas, the ring, bringing it together.